Sometimes we come to meetings, we don't really believe that God can do something. Often the reason we don't see God do something is because of us, really, because we don't really believe. But God is a God of miracles, man. Honestly. Emotionally, physically, mentally, in every aspect, He's a God of miracles. He's a God of restoration. Reese, you're an extraordinary father. Let me tell you, mate, you're an extraordinary individual. Extraordinary. Extraordinary man, extraordinary husband, extraordinary father. Extraordinary. Not ordinary, extraordinary. Extraordinary. When you get to heaven, mate, you're going to get a crown of glory. Trust me. It's not what people say, it's what people do that matters. Amen? Miracles are not always demonstration of people getting raised from the dead. Miracles are people that live out the Christian life and show the truth of who Jesus is. That's real miracles. When against the point of adversity or problems or situation, and we stand for Christ. That's a miracle. Naturally, you want to walk away and give up. I want to talk about a young man that ended up in a mess because of someone else's problem. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, verse 12. 13, sorry, verse 12, it said, Mephizabeth had a young son called Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Zeba were servants of Mephizabeth. So Mephizabeth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both his feet. We live in a world, friends, that people struggle every day. In Ireland, Lord is down a bit recently. In Ireland, we have the highest, fourth highest rate in Europe for suicide among young men. I'll give you an example. One of my best friend's brother hung himself over his brother's grave. I knew two brothers, twins. They hung himself. One of my best friends growing up a girl. Her husband hung, hung himself. So we, society is full of so many problems, broken problems. So many people in pain, suffering. Jay said to me, Jordan, I thought it was a great point. He said, people don't want to intentionally kill themselves, but they just want to end the pain that's going on inside them. But here's the thing. Most Christians are in the same boat. A lot of Christians come to church and they do the Christian thing. How are you doing? And they're not doing great at all. You know, they say that the language, you know, I'll praise the Lord. Sure, even a dog can praise the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, anyone can praise the Lord. But what's really going on inside? Like, what's really going on the inside? Let's pull off the mask this morning. Let the Holy Spirit bring liberty and freedom in the house of God. You know, this young man, Mephizabeth, he was born normal. Because of his grandfather's disobedience and the death of his own father, the servant that looked after him, he was a child, was running and she slipped and fell and Mephizabeth fell on the ground and broke and ended up a cripple. The word Mephizabeth means shameful thing. Imagine being given a name like that. You're a shameful thing. We grew up in, I grew up in a time in Dublin when your mother would say, oh, he's, he's nothing but like a devil. You know, cast the names on these kids and kid ends up like being a devil like and he wonders why because someone else had labeled him that from the beginning he was a kid and so this kid is he's labeled a shameful thing he's wrecked he's physically wrecked and then he has a name that he's just a, just shameful like a lot of people carry shame all through their life even after they're saved they carry shame they carry things of the past that they did and they shouldn't have done 
And so they go to church and they can't really lift their hands to Jesus because the devil whispers in their ears, telling them the things that they did in the past, the mistakes that they made, the failures. Therefore, they carry this weight constantly in their life. Not only does he end up in this mess, but then he ends up in a place called Lo the Bar. The word Lo the Bar in Hebrew means place of no pasture, place of no belonging. You know, most kids that kill themselves or commit suicide feel that they have no point in life. They feel that they don't belong to anybody or anything. I've sat with heroin addicts. My brother used to pick up a heroin addict in the early days when we got saved. He used to be injecting into his veins. My brother used to pull him out from injecting into his veins, throw him in the back of a car and bring him to church. One day he got wonderfully and remarkably saved. I asked him one time, I said, Tom, why do you take drugs? He said, I just want to take the pain of the emptiness inside of me. I want to feel something inside. You know, an addict, when they take heroin, after that moment of instant gratification and being stoned, after that, they never, ever can be stoned again. That's why it's called Chase the Dragon. They're chasing that experience for the rest of their life. And they never get that experience again. But most people are like that. Most people on the inside are struggling in every, every level of society. Whether you're a barrister, whether you're a drug addict, whether you're working class, middle class, upper class. I've sat with the top people to the bottom people. Most of the people that don't know Christ are empty on the inside. Are truly empty on the inside. So Mephisabed is a, is a picture really of people on the earth today. He's a picture of humanity. A broken world we live in, friends. A crippled world we live in, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. All because people are longing to feel something on the inside that they belong to someone or something. That's why you have gangs. That's why certain gangs hang out together because they, they feel that they connect with somebody. That connection, they want to connect with somebody. I, 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 was, I took the men's group there two weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago to a pub. Because I said, there's no point having a men's meeting in the church that no one can see us or hear us. What's the point in that? It's ridiculous. I said, we have Jesus. We should be on the outside. So when we got to this place, this drunk came over to us and he said, uh, oh, who are you lads? I said, we're the Christian lads. And he's looking at me thinking, what? He said, I, I'm an atheist. I said, praise God. I said, he said how do you mean? He said, Cause, I said, you believe in something. Half hour into the conversation, then he said he believes in people. I said, funny, God made people, so you must believe in God somewhere deep inside of you. <laughs> he began to sober up. He said, I better go back and get another beer. I said, you should go get another two beers. I said, because in you, I said, you're just filling your stomach with alcohol because there's something going on inside of you that is in need. And he looked at me. You see, friend, there's something going on in everybody because they want to belong to someone. That's why kids sleep with each other. Come on, man, I've been there when I was 16, 17. I had more gear friends than Valentino. Now, I didn't look like this then. I could show you some photos. You will be impressed. I used to say to my wife, I was a hit with the chicks, you know what I mean? So, uh, let you work that one out. I remember years ago waking up after drinking all night and being with different 
friends, the emptiness on the inside was horrendous. So you young people, the minute you do that, the emptier you will become. The moment you step into that arena, you're going to feel hell on the inside. Because that will never fill you and that will never change you. And that boyfriend or girlfriend, he'll treat you like a rag doll. And when he's finished with you, he'll throw you to the side. And then you'll feel even more emptier. I've been there. I thank God I got saved at 23. I got saved after being drinking all night and after sleeping with someone I didn't even know. The next morning I get saved in the middle of a bathroom. Think about it, it's insanity. But God saw my needs, saw the brokenness in my life and said, I'm going to save this soul. I'm going to change his life because he needs me more than, I, than he realizes. I was like my fist a bit, man. I was a mess. I was carrying shame, guilt. I did things I wouldn't even repeat and tell people because I was ashamed of what I was doing. By the time I was 14, I was robbing cars. By the time I was 16, I was, I was robbing motorcycles. I went to school. I used to tell the teacher to F off. Then they threw me out of school at 14 and said, don't come back. Why? Because I was messed up, wrecked. I was like him. I was wrecked. I wanted to belong to something. I remember running in the park saying, God, if you're real, please show me. I'm messed up on the inside. The thing was, with me was, I knew I was wrecked. I knew I wanted to belong to something and belong to someone. But yeah, I had, after all joking aside, gear friend after gear friend after gear friend after gear friend. All of them failed. Every single one of them failed. Because I was messed up. My physical is a picture of all of us when we don't feel that we belong. Whether you have the name Christian or not is irrelevant. Sometimes you get even born again, you still don't feel that connection from God. Maybe it's something of the past that's stopping you moving on. Maybe you did something, said something. But thank God that David one day wakes up years later. Mephizabeth's five at this point. It's years later that David one day says, is there anybody in the family of Jonathan or Saul that I can show kindness to? Now, I often wondered, what, what happened? I believe this. It's not scriptural. God saw the cry of Mephizabeth in Lodabar. God saw that young man in a dreadful condition. God saw that poor kid, not his fault, messed up in a place of no belonging. God woke David up that morning and said, Call. Is there anyone out there? I remember that morning waking up being saved. My God, I remembered I felt something. God had heard my cry. And the beauty of this story is this, is the reason David said that was because years prior, and look at this, years prior, before even this boy was even born, God in his infinite wisdom from eternity decided to bring two men together as friends called David and Jonathan. And in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3, they made a blood covenant, a legal document between the two of them. That David would remember for the rest of his life that Jonathan put him first. He elevated David above his own needs. And David remembered the very sacrifice and the willingness that this young man, his friend, would put before himself. You know, Jonathan should have been the king of Israel. 
that was his entitlement, that was his inheritance. But he stepped, he said, no, David, you go. You're God's man. And David remembers that. David said, is there anybody? Not fully understand that there was a kid in Lodabar in the place longing to belong to something. Can you imagine what he must have felt every day? His family, lost his family, lost his father, lost his home, lost his inheritance, ends a broken body, ends up in a place of nothingness. Can you imagine him waking up every day? Imagine how he felt every day. Well, that's a picture of all of us. That's a picture of the addict, the alcoholic, the single mother, the teenager that's getting bullied in school. That's the teenager snorting cocaine on the weekends and bunking off in school, not listening to the teacher. Come on, man, that's the reality of life. That's all, everybody. And that's Christians as well. We're not perfect. None of us are perfect. Let's get, the, let's get with the program. We all make mistakes every single day. We all do things that we shouldn't do. We all say things that we shouldn't say. We all think things that we shouldn't think. And often we watch things that we shouldn't watch. And we drink things that we shouldn't drink. And then we wonder why we're empty. We wonder why, why we feel the way we feel. And we wonder why we act the way we act. Because there's something deep inside us wants that connection, friend. Well, this man wanted that. And David brings him to the house of Israel. Actually brings him to the palace. Think about it. From Lodabar to the palace. From the place of emptiness to the place of richness. Man. In moments. In seconds. And the kid falls down before him. Can you picture the scene? He's broken and he falls down before him. He said, oh David. Thinking in his mind that David was about to take his head off. Because it was David's right to take his head off at that point. Because David had to, by law... By governance, to kill all that belonged to the house of Saul. But because of the covenant, that's the wisdom of God. He lifts him, elevates him, and sits him at the table of the king. Oh my God. Can you imagine the feeling, the rejection leaving him, the shame being lifted off him, now, God loves to lift off shame. He loves to take away guilt. He loves to remove the sin that we carry. Do you remember that day you gave your heart to Christ and the liberation of the sin, confessing all your sins that you did? Knowing that Jesus is standing there, eradicating them and forgetting them as far as he's to the west. He never remembers, never remembers anything you did. That's the power of the gospel. No matter how dark, no matter how deep, no matter how filthy, no matter how bad, Christ can reach you. He brings him to the king. He sits him at a table every single day of his life. He sits him at the table. You know why he sits him at a table? Because when he pushes him into the table... He never sees his brokenness again. He sees himself as one of the king's sons sitting at the table. That's why he did it. 
He was saying to that kid or that young man that day, listen, we know what you have. We know what you are, what deformity you have. But let me tell you something. From God's perspective, God doesn't see that. He sees your heart. And not only does he sit him at the table, but he restores everything that was taken from him. He gives him back the land that belonged to his grandfather. He gives him servants. He gives him a new house. He gives him a servant that will look after his needs. He gets married. He has a couple of more kids. And he sits at the king's table. Why? Because God is a God of restoration. The Bible says that every second, every hour, every day, every year that the canker worm or the locust has eaten, God shall restore. Why does God restore every day? I tell you why. Because it is a testimony of the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God. That's why. And He displays your life to a broken world. That's why He does it. He elevates you to show the world that He is the God of restoration. That's the whole purpose of you getting saved. That God can reveal His glory through your life. That as you sit at the table of the King, He restores every hour, every second, every day, every moment, every year. He restores unto you. Hallelujah. That's how good God is. Well, friend, 2,000 years ago, another man came to the earth and he saw your need. He saw the brokenness of humanity. But before he got there, he had a conversation with his father in heaven. And he decided that they would have this conversation that would lead to a legal document that would change the face of eternity. They sat down and made a, had a conversation. And his father said to him, son, you need to go and shed your blood. You see, God, Jesus didn't die for your sins. Let's get it right here. Jesus died because of the covenant he made with his father from eternity. And now you are a benefactor of their, that very fact. You inherit not because of what he did for you. You inherit what he did for his father. Do you understand that? Will I explain it to you a bit more? When two people get married, they sign a legal document. Where's Luke? Oh, boy. That's coming faster than you realize, buddy. You better sign that with blood, buddy. Then they sign, and usually you marry the virgin. And the night of the consummation, there's blood shed between a marriage. That's why it's a dreadful thing to divorce the one that God has given you, because it's based on a covenant. A legal document signed before God that is consummated on the night of your honeymoon. And out of that consummation, one day you will have children that will be benefactors of your inheritance based not on what they do or what they say, based on the covenant that you made that day with your husband and your wife. Do you understand? So therefore, all that you earn, all the money that you put in a bank account, all the house and all the cars that you get, will be given over to your kids one day. Why? Because of the covenant that you made many years prior. 
Now, Jesus made a covenant with his father 2,000 years ago. And the fact of that covenant means the day, now listen, the day you get saved, you now belong to him for all eternity. Hallelujah. And no matter what the devil says, no matter what the devil does, no matter how many mistakes you make or failures you do, it is irrelevant to God because he doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your failures. He sees the blood that he said that he shed at Calvary. He sees the resurrection. He sees the ascension. And one day he sees him coming back to collect you and bring you to eternity for every single hour and day from here all the way to eternity. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, when you really, really, really feel you belong to Jesus, everything changes. You see, the life that's in him becomes your life. John chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. You are now a branch of the vine. Apples just become apples. Bananas become bananas. One banana doesn't say to the other banana, let's squeeze out today. They naturally grow, you see. Because they belong to something that is much greater, much better, more sufficient, more gentle, more loving, more kind than you could ever be. And it's not based on what you do. It ain't based on what you say. It's based on the fact of his covenant that he made for you. And now you are now a participator of that covenant. So therefore you belong to the greatest king that has ever lived. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He is a tremendous God. Hallelujah. You don't have to walk yourself. You don't have to whip yourself, kick yourself, slap yourself. All you have to do is embrace it, love it, and allow it to change you. You see, you have to allow it to change you because you're connected to it. You see? So you turn left, he turns left. You turn right, he turns right. You think these thoughts, he'll wash them all away. You see, when you sit at the king's table, everything else looks different. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, the king's table is an amazing table. It's all sufficient. Everything you need is on the table. You know, I love Psalm 23. It says he prepares his table before your enemy. The enemy that tells you that you don't belong, on the table says you do belong. The enemy that knocks on your door of oppression, on the table is the, the food of liberation. When the devil tells you you're no good, On that table says you've been adopted, you've been cleansed, you've been washed, you've been delivered. When the enemy knocks on your door and says, you're never going to make it, on that table says, I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. When the enemy comes and says to you, you know what, what? he didn't really die for you, that was all in your imagination. You tell him the truth because the truth will set him free and set you free also. When the enemy knocks on your door and tells you that you have no future and you'll never amount to anything, you never go anywhere and you'll never do anything for God, you look at that table and you see Calvary on that table. You see the blood of Jesus on that table. You see the resurrection on that table. You see the ascension on that table. You see the power of the Holy Ghost on that table. And that is your inheritance forevermore. Hallelujah. That is it. That's what you belong to. That's who you belong to. You belong to a greater kingdom, more powerful kingdom. That's who you belong to. Oh, hallelujah. I close with this thought. Not even on the table. Beyond the table is something else. 
In Psalm 23, it says, He prepares a table before your enemies. And then he says, Love and kindness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Well, actually, the Hebrew says it differently. It says, Love and kindness and mercy will hunt you down every single day. You know, hunting you down, chasing after you, chasing you. I remember one weekend, I backslid for a weekend. I went drinking. I went on a rampage. I was in a nightclub. I had an outer body experience and everything. Standing in this nightclub, I had this outer body experience. And I saw my body leave my body saying to, saying to me in this madness of my head, what are you doing? You idiot. I woke up that morning after being in someone's house. I'd been partying all night long. Well, I woke up that morning. Listen to this. I woke up that morning. Didn't know where I was. I was out of my head the night before. Got up that morning, jumped out of bed, and I said, I better go to church. Went to church, and Nella came to me and said, how are you doing? I said, I'm not doing very good. And in fact, I don't think I can do this anymore. It's too hard for me. He said to me, come in on a Tuesday. We'll have a chat. The last place I wanted to go was to see him on Tuesday. He was going to tell me what for, how far, and what I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't have slept with this and shouldn't have drank this. I, I, I could drill. I could nearly write the list. But God is a God of grace. And he hunts you down. So all day that Tuesday, I was contemplating, go, not go, go, not go. I said, I'll just go down. Thank him for all the years he's tried to help me. I'll just go down and say, thanks. But you know what, mate? I can't do this. I've got too much, too much garbage, too much problems. I can't survive this. I'm not going to make this. I walked down to church. There's nobody in the church. I said, this is really not good for me. Then he says, come on up the stairs and these spiral stairs, you know, like the death march. So I'm going up the stairs thinking he's going to whack me over now. I get into the, into the room. It's hilarious. Right? And he says to me, can I sing a song? And I'm looking, I'm thinking, sing a song? Can you shut up? I don't want to hear your song. You, you, he wasn't even a good singer. He's a brutal singer, actually, but he's a good guitar player. So I said, uh, yeah, well, sing your song there. So he picks up the guitar, right? He starts singing this song. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we come. Not by human endeavors, but grace alone. Well, Jesus walked into the room. I fell on my knees and I wept for two and a half hours. And from that day to this day, I was never the same. Why? Because when I gave my heart to him, I belonged to him. And he's never going to give up on me. And all my mess and all my stupidity and all my ignorance and all my failures and my faults, he saw, son, you're just like Mephizabeth. You're broken on the inside. But you know what, son? I'm going to heal you. I'm going to free you. I'm going to liberate you. And then I'm going to raise you up to speak to a world that don't know me. In November, I was in Cambodia. End up on the roof of a building. Crack addict on the roof. Ran over to him and said, mate, you need Jesus. Gave his heart to Christ on the roof. Him and his girlfriend. Why? Bible says that none shall perish. But all come to Christ. Why? Listen to this. Why don't you get this? Because we belong to him. Bible says he chose us before we chose him. So from his perspective, we belong to him. And because of the covenant, the legal document that they signed 2,000 years ago, he loves to snatch us from the devil. Say, no devil. He, she, they them belong to me they will spend eternity
with me. They will praise my name to all eternity. They will sing the songs of Zion on the earth, devil. You have no place in their life. They belong to me. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad it was or is, even yesterday, it doesn't matter. The very fact is, friend, you belong to Jesus and he will wash you, he will cleanse you, he will liberate you, he will free you and he will heal you and he will set you free. That one day you can testify of the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God. That's who he is to you today. Hallelujah. Let us stand. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah.